Sound Takes Podcast, where we discuss our top five favorite songs of various artists and uh, go through their discography. I'm your host, Lawrence Fryer, and with me today is the usual co-host, Eli. That's right. It is Eli, a.k.a. DJ Civil Services. My Civil Services building is being constructed today in New Horizons, and I'm looking forward to checking it out, meeting Isabel tomorrow. Uh, Gotta say, it's really nice to be talking so soon we recorded the weezer podcast just four days ago it's not even out yet and we're already recording this new one because the band we're talking about today is a pretty short discography so got the, the top five picked out pretty quickly there yes building our stable of content you know we got to keep the wheels rolling uh yeah so today we're here to talk about portishead and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. This is this definitely one of my favorite groups out there. How, how are you feeling about them? Yeah, very excited to talk about the band. This is a very distinctive band. They have a very distinctive sound. As we talk through their a uh, little bit of their history, we'll sort of dive into it. But you know, they're really one of the three big pioneers of trip hop but i would say the most distinctive there's not really other acts that sound like they do right i mean like you know when you think about trip hop uh you're thinking about you know like massive attack uh tricky tricky yeah those are kind of like the the, like the three-headed you know dragon you know snake or whatever you want to call it of trip hop i would think in terms of like the foundational you know building blocks of the genre yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Porter said, okay, so they're an English band. Uh, they formed in 1991 in Bristol, England. They're named after a nearby town, which is eight miles outside of Bristol. The members of uh, Porter said include Jeff Barrow, uh, the, the lead producer. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he was also like making demos around the time when they started for other people. Uh, Beth Gibbons, a singer and, uh, Adrian Oatley, who is a, uh, a keyboardist at the at the at the time but he you know also grew on to take more roles uh yeah so barrow actually met gibbons in 1991 he was 19 she was 26 and uh they started recording together and while they were recording uh utley happened to you know kind of wander on by because he was also in the studio working and he heard them actually recording uh it could be sweet and he was just uh, entranced by Gibbons' voice and the sounds that they were coming up with. So he eventually joined them and kind of just was just bouncing uh, ideas off of Barrow, and they seemed to have a similar taste. Uh, so what led them to kind of establish their their sound was actually Utley showing uh, Barrow and uh, Gibbons his uh, arsenal of TV-recorded spy films. And hearing kind of the interesting and weird sounds of uh, symbolisms and theremins, they they uh, they were kind of inspired and they thought we could use these interesting sample, uh, samples and make a sound that's like unlike anything that people have heard at the time. And that led to them recording Dummy. What are your thoughts on Dummy? 
uh, a media classic and it was received as such. Uh, this, like you said, uh, they were aiming for something people had never really heard before, at least were, wasn't being done at that time. And they definitely hit that mark. People aren't doing things like this even since just uh, a winner back to front. Yeah, I agree. Like uh, Barrow, when he was talking about like the them kind of discovering these sounds, he said it was like a light bulb coming on when realizing they could uh, make a, a unique uh, sounding record. And I think they did achieve this, you know, like uh, like as you said, they're they're trip hop, but they're kind of yeah, like the, on their own, like echelon, in my opinion, in terms of their sound. Uh, I mean, j- j- honestly, just like listening to the record again just like cover to cover classic. I think there's not a bad song on the record, in my opinion. Like you could just pick one, just throw a dart at the album list and the, the track list and you're, you're, you're in for a treat pretty much. Yeah, this is the sort of the establishment for some of the big things that they would do for most of their discography. The DIY samples, which I really love, just the idea of, you know, who needs to try and look for a sample when you can envision it, create it, and then drag the vinyl pressing that you made of it around to make it sound appropriately dusty. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so this album, Dummy, which was released in 1994, kind of established Bristol as the home of trip hop. Uh, And then after that, they took about a three-year hiatus and... They, they came back together to uh, record uh, the 1997 Portishead self-titled record. Uh, the group decided to move towards making their own samples uh, rather than, you know, kind of finding them off of, like, dusty TV recordings and doing, as you said, like, dragging them around the floor. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, they, they were going for a darker sound in, with this record. In fact, uh, Spin described it as gothic, deadly, ch- and a tri- uh, trippy atmosphere. And upon release, the record was also met with tons of critical acclaim. What do you think about the self-titled? Self-titled is a really great follow-up record, uh, deepening of the sound, a little more gritty, just a little less hip-hop, definitely, than the first one. For sure. Uh, Less influence there, and a little more... I would say the first album was sort of mysterious and veiled, but there's a bigger sense of dread and it presence in the self-titled. Yeah, I agree. The sound is definitely different. Uh, it took me honestly, like, you know, cause I've, I've probably heard dummy. I'd say maybe about like f- five years ago for the first time, but I just like never ventured further into the discography oh. and, and, probably about like a year ago was my first time getting into the self-titled record and it, it was kind of a grower on me honestly because i was just so like used to the sounds of dumb like the more like hookier the more catchier aspects of dummy and the the way that they use the sampling and the looping and kind of like more it was more of like a hip-hop styled record uh but for this one it you know it it was a it was a grower but but like uh, uh, but I'd say about like a couple of months later, like after constantly revisiting it, it really started to grow on me and become another one of like the, the records I really think uh, is amazing. And I think cohesively as a whole, 
it's just a, a great sounding record. I think compared to Dummy, I feel like they're just like the songs individually stand out more. But for this one, I feel like the the whole album is like creates this this grand mood. Yeah, I, I had a similar experience with Dummy where I that was the one I heard first and really glommed onto it and listened to that one mostly. And it was, I think, probably a year or two or three even before I re- tried moving on to the self-titled. And I think I accepted this one a lot more quickly. Uh, it was another winner for me. A little bit different for their third album, where this the for the listen along we're doing this is probably maybe the second or third time I'd ever listened to it. Uh, but before we move on to that, they do have some other side works uh, from during their main active period. In between Dummy and Portishead, they did a compilation called Glory Times, which is different mixes done by the band for Glory Box and Sour Times, as well as the theme from a dead man for the score for the uh, short film of the same name theme to a dead man which the cover of dummy is a still from that the band created right yeah that uh, uh, you know they so they weren't completely inactive they were you know like as you said having adding their own mixes and of course they were touring the world at the time i mean that album was yeah. huge so they had to they had to go everywhere after that <laughs> obviously yeah and then after Portishead head came the release of rosalind and yc live their only live album uh notable here in really hearing what how the studio works of the music could translate to a live setting and it i'd say there's a pretty good shift there's some deepening of several of the songs live versus on the record and uh really notable for having live orchestration accompaniments and that really does add an extra oomph to a lot of the stuff that was already done in studio. But yeah, after yeah. Uh, after NYC, they went quiet for a little while. Yeah. Oh man. Like yeah. Pretty much an eight year absence. Yeah. So following uh, three years of touring and a divorce in uh yeah, in 1998, Barrow put Portishead on, on hiatus and just moved to Australia. And he he was quoted pretty much as saying, or I'm paraphrasing here, that he just was tired of music and tired of making it with other people. You just wanted to, you just wanted to break, you know? So I, I understand that you got to get away once in a while. Uh, yeah. But in the meantime, you know, he kind of, he had Utley fly out, uh, a few, like around, I think it was like, they said like 2005 to, you know, try make some more songs. It wasn't really that successful, but they definitely wanted to keep working together along with Gibbons. And- yeah. They were definitely in a, uh, uh, perfectionist mindset where they they would make some music but then they would deem it not good enough exactly and yeah. we just weren't happy with it right yeah but so for uh yeah so then this led to the creation of the album third which came out in 2008 uh for this album they decide they want to move away from the their uh trip-hop sound and and sampling uh yeah they would you know no record scratches <laughs> you know they no no hip-hop beats for this one they they wanted to move towards more of an electronic sound with the uh, synthesizers and adding elements of psychedelic rock uh what were your thoughts with this album for third 
So the first time I ever listened to it, I was pretty let down, wasn't that into it. But on the re-listen for here, it definitely grew on me and I could appreciate it more. There were several songs that stuck out to me and made my initial long list for this. I think this album, completely abandoning any elements of sort of the trip hop or the hip hop uh, from their first two releases, really resulted in this being a lot more cold and uh, way more distant as a record, which can make it a little... Uh, I isolating to try and embrace, but I definitely enjoy it for how it shows the band evolving. And I very much am looking forward to a fourth album to see where they continue to go. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, for this one, for me, I, like again, I I'd only listened to Dummy for a long time, but then a year ago, I started to go back through their discography because you know it's really short so it was like oh let's let's just listen to the third and Portis out self-titled yeah so also i i agree that third at first listening uh i i thought it was solid but i did think the other two records were superior because i did really like that trip hop sound that they that they were going for and i was kind of like why are you gonna throw away this such like a like a instantly classic sounding uh sounding uh you know, type of sound, <laughs> sounding type of sound, but yeah. So, I, I, there were a couple of tracks that stood out to me initially, but I was as like I said as a whole, I wasn't really thoroughly impressed. But upon re-listen, I also have come to, you know, see what they were going for and uh, respect their uh, definitely respect their record immensely. Yeah, some really cool stuff going on in this one with the. Uh the the drums and the portuguese uh quote-unquote sample they have in the opening track silence to the sort of staccato beat of the guitar and machine gum it's there's a lot of really cool techniques being done here on the record yeah and with that we've covered their discography man that's been the quickest (laughs) discography walk through record time hey i don't mind it (laughs) yeah uh band isn't that public and you know we, we we seem to like all the albums so there's not much back and forth to really uh have over them right we're not debating there's no ridiculous track names like with a uh, weezer and ratitude and all like, that so like, uh, we're like, yeah <laughs> a lot quicker of a, of a, of a walk through on that one yeah, yeah but hey we get to the top five faster which you know that's what you're all here for <laughs> all right uh so yeah top five uh am i starting this time yes okay well so for my number five i'm gonna pick a song from third actually Ooh. yeah you know i'm trying to diversify you know right here so i'm going with the rip the rip yeah the rip interesting all right Uh oh well uh let's check it out let's go ahead and yeah okay
Yeah, so the rip is my number five. I picked it because I, I just like, like sound wise, I like how it kind of starts with that like finger style, like light guitar picking, and then it kind of and it opens up with that heavy synthesizer. And you know, I, you know, Beth Gibbons' voice sounds magnificent on it throughout the whole track. And yeah, and it kind of sounds like Portishead meets Radiohead too, which I really enjoy. In fact, you know, Radiohead did eventually go on to cover this song as well. And yeah, just really great track in my opinion. What do you think? Uh, I really liked it once the song opened up a lot more. I'm not a big fan of sort sort of the uh, basic singer songwriter guitar playing uh sorry i need to re-record my headphones fell off all of a sudden um okay i'm gonna pause and then i'm just gonna start speaking again because i feel like there was enough of a yeah there's enough so yeah we're gonna start where like i'll end where i ask what you think and then i'll just edit this out okay yeah, so it was really weird. Like all of a sudden, like they just fell off. Of, like, can I recover while still talking? And no, yeah, yeah, just, that's, no. it definitely didn't. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely like the song more once it opened up as well. Uh, for me, the beginning of it before uh, the rest of the band really kicks in. I'm not a big fan of the sort of the singer songwriter basic vocals and guitar i understand that there's some other you know underlying uh i can hear theorem and other stuff going on but uh, that's not really my preferred wheelhouse so for me this is a a track where you know i like part of it's okay but then once it gets to the other half i i enjoy it a lot more so for me uh, not not a top five i didn't have this one on my long list of 24 yeah i, I mean i think if it just stayed in that early part like you're saying it wouldn't be anywhere near my top five but i just like the way that it kind of builds to the to the the climax and so you're kind of like you know you're you're waiting for the beat to drop and i you know i think it's a satisfying enough like uh reward for your weight that i'm kind of that you know i'm inclined to be like oh okay y'all you guys pulled that off so yeah that's that's what that's why it's in my five all right well considering that we uh have a limited discography here you know it's uh good sign that the first one already wasn't a repeat so my pick for my number five is going to be from dummy and it's going to be strangers oh strangers okay i like it all right well uh yeah i know yeah i know yeah i know strangers i I mean but i mean but did you have it in your list oh no it was on my short list but it was in my in my top five all right well let's check it out
yeah, for me, this is uh, a real punch. You know, the way they started off with that weather report sample. Um, I really love the way they fade out her lyrics right as she starts, make it real grainy. You can hear almost it sounds like uh, tape decks rolling in the background. And then when she kicks in and the drums come back in, the guitar playing, everything about the song is just, you know, it's a mood. There's an aesthetic to it. Uh, that that idea of being in a spy movie uh, really shines through here. Yeah, it's really like a sonic punch in the face, but in like the best way possible. I, I feel like in terms of like trip hop, this is almost like their peak trip hop track in terms of like the the, the like amount of samples that they're using. You know, all the the record scratching, kind of like the funky like breakdowns. Or there, there's even like some like orchestra parts in the background. It's just mm-hmm. a really great uh, sonic blend. Yeah, and that uh, that guitar line just sounds mean and cool at the same time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think they they, they achieved everything that they were going for with that track. All right, all right. So let's let's kick it off to your number four. Okay, yeah. So for my number four, we're gonna stay on Dummy, and my number four track is "It's a Fire." Okay. All right. Uh. Let's go ahead and listen. So let it be for what we It's a fire is my number four. Yeah, so I picked this one because I just really like the the complex and kind of weird chord changes uh, chord changes that are that are used in the song, and uh, Gibbons her voice is just, uh, majestic on this track as well. And then in particular, uh, I really love the lyrics. Uh, I just you know it's really kind of like dark, kind of longing. Uh, I can I can quote some of them after you say what you think, and you know. What do you think? Go ahead, go ahead and quote them now. Yeah, okay. So I'm gonna say, like, I like the like the chorus, you know, where it's like, uh, I can't breathe through this mask like a fool. So breathe on, sister, breathe on. And you know, it's kind of like I I feel like they're kind of saying here, like, uh, you you know, you can either kind of just like let life or whatever you're going through like get you down, or you can kind of just like fight it and and try to you know just breathe on. So you know, I like the messaging there, and you know and i think from as a whole like the lyrically is really strong so this is the sixth track on the non uk original pressings of the album so basically this song wasn't on the very first release of yeah. the album and then was later included mm-hmm. uh when i was doing my short list i ended up five songs in a row tracks one through five on dummy making uh, i guess sorry my long list for the album and then this track came and uh didn't make it on the long list for me i like the song it's it's fine but to me it's you know a little more mellow a little more uh 
subdued sort of for sure yeah it's like kind of yeah, yeah uh, it's, uh, subdued is definitely the right way to put it i do like the baseline but for me yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't uh spark joy I understand, yeah, but like, uh, yeah, for me, like, this is definitely just like a song that I, like, I throw on where I'm just like chilling, like, uh, like, uh, like as you said, it's not really like a like hugely like energetic track, but it's just like a good kind of like rainy weather mood track where you're where you're just you know chilling on the couch, you're just like oh, uh, just like snoozing away. I like uh, you know, and I that's uh some of my favorite kind of music, so had to represent. All right. Yeah. Well. My number four, and I feel like this has a real shot at uh, being the first one of the podcast of uh, all the podcasts to overlap. <laughs> yeah, to have some overlap. Uh, my number four is Glory Box. Yes, yeah, my number three. All right, you suck my battleship. So, yep. <laughs> uh, so uh, it sounds like we're both familiar, at least. But let's let's still go ahead and uh, refresh ourselves. Take it for Ray. I'm so tired of playing, playing with this bow and arrow. Gonna give my heart away, leave it to the other girls to play. For I've been a temptress too long. Glory Box is the closer from Dummy, the debut album, and really, it's one of the I'd feel two calling, two main calling cards to the band between this and Sour Times. Mm-hmm. This is there's so much going on that works so well here. The lyrics are pretty iconic, and you can interpret them from several different angles. I mean, I I, I think I, this was the one that i'm trying to remember i think somebody had made a before it was announced a black widow fan-made trailer and they did their own opening credit sequence and i think this may have been the song they used like it was either this is our times but it's a pretty iconic song there was so much to love here two big samples going on between the use of the ice trap 2 and daydream both uh samples used pretty well in their own rights by other art acts but Really, you know, Daydream, the baseline there can be reinterpreted and you can do a lot of different stuff in there. Lupe Fiasco used that uh, on one of his singles. But when it comes to Ike's Rap 2, I mean, this is kind of like, to me, the definitive usage of the sample. Like, if you're a producer and you're thinking about, hmm, you know, I want to sample the song, I want to use that uh, violin, you, you should probably quit while you're ahead because it's already been perfected. Uh, you know, that Alicia Cara song uh, here, it's just, every time I hear that, it's like, man... Oh, it's not the same it's, it's, yeah. it, it doesn't live up to it yeah i mean yeah as you as i said earlier this is my number three but yeah you pretty much said everything i was meaning to say you know, about the isaac k sample ike's rap and just you know it's just perfectly perfectly pitched like every all the samples throughout this song are just beautiful and then on top of it you have gibbons just like yearning voice like just like perfectly floating on top of the on top of the track 
yeah, just uh, from top to uh, bottom, a home run. Yeah, just all the little effects too. When they echo her voice after she says, "For this is the beginning of forever and ever," just the, the song's perfection. I mean, it's it's hard to believe that I've got uh, three songs ahead of this one personally. Yeah. Uh, wh- when you have this high point already. Yeah, rude, rude by you, honestly. I mean, but, but, but still, there, there's still their work. So you know, this, this still compliment, complimentary though. You know, it's not like you're yeah. putting other songs from other people. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we did my number three. So we're gonna go to my number two. I'm gonna be no, kind of shocked. Going to if... your. Uh... No, you started it off. Yeah. So we're in my number Wait, two. So you already did your number four. Yeah. But we just did your number three notes. I go back to back now. I did oh. my number three. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Damn. All right. You go. Yeah. Uh, it's my turn again. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you're, uh... you're probably gonna steal my other ones. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Uh, no, you uh so my number 3 is sour times. That's my number 2. Well, <laughs> mine is a live version. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, when, when we were discussing this pre-podcast, you told me that you hadn't listened to Rosalind NYC, and I was sort of like wincing because I was like, "Ooh, he!" Uh, I think you're really missing out. And uh, we're gonna listen to the song, and I hopefully after you give it a, a playthrough, you'll you'll sort of hear why I kind of went for this one over, over even the original. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, uh, let's let's go ahead and take a listen. We'll see if I'll eat some crow right after this. So what did you think? Uh, take a shot now. Oh yeah, I mean, really, really good. I mean, I I, mean, I love the album version too. So like, it was kind of like, like of, of course I'm gonna love a live performance of that song as well. I mean, like I don't have anything against the the live album. It's just like if it's not like a like stop making sense or the last waltz. Like I'm just like I'm like I'll listen to a live album, but it's you know I just never feel like they're really that notable in terms of releases, but. You know, yeah, this was a really great recording of that song, which I already love. So, what's not to like? Yeah, uh, I, I, I think I prefer this to the original in that she Gibbons really sinks her teeth into the performance here at the end. Uh, A rare time you can hear a Portishead song from uh, from her, where she cuts loose. She the a sense of composure is no longer present uh every time i listen to this i get little chills down my body uh with how she just cuts loose absolutely uh toward the end of the song and just goes all out yeah oh yeah her, like yeah her performance on that was yeah, spectacular i wholeheartedly agree with that statement uh i mean seeing as this is my number two i can also like just quickly comment on the song as a whole as yeah. well 
um yeah it is really like I, yeah musically it's just amazing i it's a really big uncommissioned bond theme energy going on throughout this track which i think you can say that about a lot of this album and a, a lot of trip hop in general but yeah i think in particular just like i i can just i can just see james bond fucking jumping from buildings on like a on like a line uh zip wire and stuff you know really yeah just a really love the track yeah i was really hoping that they'd be asked to do this the the theme for no time to die i was fine with Billie eilish and i think the song's uh song's good but you know it was it was the pairing that was never to be it's a crime, honestly, that they haven't been asked to do a Bond theme. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> they're like the, like a set, like the one of the like foundational like British music acts like to ever like exist. And it's like, nope, we're not going to give you a Bond theme. Like, come on, y'all. Uh, you know, I I'd say Portishead seemed like a much better fit before. You know, Madonna, Chris Cornell, Jack White, and Alicia Keys. Right. Yeah, they're just going for the mainstream picks shame on them when oh. will lady gaga do a bond theme that's what i want to know i mean that would be afraid? more along the lines of what they've been going for so so i feel like she has a better shot than portisette honestly little uzi vert <laughs> doing the bond oh, theme. Little uzi t- <laughs> all my friends are dead <laughs> it's true yeah all his friends are kind of uh, yeah we're, we're getting a little off track though <laughs> sorry did you have anything else on sour times uh, not really. I mean, yeah, it's a great song. I feel like everything that needed to be said has been said. All right. Time to go on to my number two. And it's a track called Scorn. Oh, okay. Interesting. The little bit I of had not heard of, I had not heard this before doing the, the listen for the podcast, but when I discovered it, I was uh, really blown away. Is this like one of, is this one of the, which, which album is this on? This is on Glory Times. Oh, okay. Glory Times. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Well, let's, let's listen. A, let's, yeah. Let's take a Take shot. a list, 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 I'm so tired of playing, playing with this bow and arrow. Gonna give my heart away, leave it to the other girls too. For I've been a temptress too long Yeah, so I, I yeah, I actually really like this track. It was interesting to like like if you were like a, a fly on the wall like and you could like hear my thoughts as I was listening cuz I hadn't heard this track before. So I was like, "Oh, this is a cool like dark entry." And then I heard the lyrics. So I was like, "Wait, this is Glory Box?" <laughs> and I was like, "This man put the remix of Glory Box on top of Glory Box in the top 5." <laughs> but I mean, it's a good song. Uh, I mean, I probably would still prefer the og glory box to this one but i'm like then you have the rest of dummy there too and you pick a remix but hey you know i like it but you know definitely definitely some some cojones there i really love this it blew me away when i first heard it uh there's a very much a sense of longing in the original glory box that 
this mix of it just completely erases. All of a sudden, it's very dark and foreboding and rueful. Um, this is this is like an intense take on the song by the band themselves, where that classic uh, Ike's rap sample is it doesn't even hit until like four and a half minutes in, and then it's only there for like twenty seconds at most before they go back to the to the heaviness of the track. I guess part of the reason I've never heard this before is I've never seen the craft where apparently this is used in this uh, in this version. But I I really love this song. It might be due to the original Glory Box having listened to it so much that hearing this take really made it uh, stick with me in a bigger way in the short amount of time since hearing it versus recording the podcast. But I, I'm really smitten this with, with this uh, with this mix for Scorn. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I re- I respect the take. I mean. That for me, I think I would have to listen to this one more to see if it like you know, how it compares to the OG. But I think the the OG Glory Box has a special place in my heart, so it's gonna be pretty hard for for that to replace it. But I did enjoy this track. All right, it's time for number one. I did not take your number one, even though I uh, I, yeah <laughs> took your number four. I finally get three. to like say my say a fucking a pick since this is the number four. <laughs> Yeah. So. Um, hey, look, I I didn't take your number two. I picked the live version. You basically okay. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, okay. So we're gonna go with my number one. We're staying on dummy, and I picked Rhodes. All right. All right. Uh, that, that that was not my number one. That was not your number one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Little... Let me go ahead and uh, take a listen. Can't anybody see Yeah, so Rhodes is my number one. I I picked this song because I I just really like the like the sullen vibes, the kind of you know kind of like menacing like a trip hop song that they use here, and how they like cut in with the little guitar parts here and there, and it has really good breakdown towards the end, just musically and then lyrically. I really I feel like this song's really you know talking about loneliness and kind of you know you're you're feeling like you're kind of like you know. We've got a war to fight, never find our way, regardless of what they say. And uh, I feel no more, uh, can I say, frozen to myself. I got nobody on my side, and surely that ain't right. Surely that ain't right. And, you know, it's, it's a great kind of interpretation of, like, you're you're just, like, feeling like, you know, no like no one's on your side, and you're, you're like, just searching for meaning. And, uh, yes, I really kind of identify with that message, and it's definitely a track that I listen to you know when i'm feeling in a the introspective mood and yeah the tracks like that are usually some of my favorites so i gave it my number one 
Yeah, I feel like the delivery for the vocals really makes the song in establishing that mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mentioned for what was it for uh, for It's a Fire that mm-hmm. after I hit uh, It's a Fire on the album, I had just had five songs picked for the long list, and then all of a sudden I didn't have one. Yeah. I actually didn't have. I went the track six through nine on Dummy, not putting them on my long list either. And this was track number eight. Number eight. Yeah. Uh, for me. This is more about the mood. I guess for me, Portishead that I've really liked with the exception for Scorn has been a little more commanding. Not, I like the Sullen vibe, but it's not my favorite mode for them. I, I think for Rhodes in particular, what stands out to me is that uh, this one sounds like definitely the closing credits for a film. Right. More than anything. Exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and as you can, if you've listened to other other uh past uh you know episodes you know like i i kind of i tend to go for the more kind of like you know more sullen more kind of like and yeah like you said like end credit songs so you know it, 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 it this is like one of the the best versions of that in my opinion so you know i had to pay homage to that and give it my uh number one spot all right so for my number one uh for all of our picks so far there's been uh noticeable lack of representation for the self-titled well if you're a big fan not to worry because my number one is from portishead and that track is going to be only you yeah so that was actually my number six like i was definitely like this close to being on the on on here and uh i can tell you more once we listen to it all right sounds like a plan all right the size of our fight it's just a dream We've crushed everything I can see And this morning selfishly How we fail and I feel like I do It's only you who can tell me apart And it's Yeah, I mean, that's my number one. You you can't just lose it like that. Uh, the, there, there's so many... To me, this is like... Peak Portishead in the sense of... It's got the, the turntablism, the sort of subdued solos, the, the deep mood. I really love the sort of the organ feel to the song. Uh, the Far Side sample going on, the Inspector Crusoe sample. There's just so much for me to love in this one yeah i mean it was my number six as well and it like yeah I, I love it for all the reasons you do like yeah the great use of the far side sample and like as you said it's definitely like one of the, the in terms of what portis is known for it's definitely like a, a peak for them and yeah just a 
very strong song. Uh, it only it only just missed my top five, probably because I was more obviously more familiar with Dummy like coming into this. Uh, so I mean, it's gonna be hard to beat like four tracks that I just like listen to constantly. But yeah, it's definitely deserving to be your number one. Yeah, uh, I think once this once I first heard the song. It- and like kept hearing it it just kept like sinking in and like locking in place for me that there's like a groove in the song that i just really really feel and uh, resonate with nice yeah i agree i agree great great track my uh, uh my two songs that missed the cut in terms of ranking uh my number seven was wandering star and my number six was elysium nice okay yeah so yeah for me wandering star was up there uh numb was really close for me and then also it could be sweet those are probably the three tracks that just missed the cut for me yeah it could be sweet made my uh my made the second cut but did not make the final cut to the final seven i had to narrow down to gotcha um so interestingly uh when i when i tallied up what i pulled from for the long list i had seven from dummy and i had seven from uh Portishead as well. So in terms of favorite album, I, I'm really not sure. I, I It would definitely be between the first two with the third album having really grown on me with this listen, but uh, I'm not really sure which my favorite album would be. Uh, yeah, if I had to rank them, I think it's definitely Dummies, my number one. I mean, that's like a all-time, definitely, like at least if I was doing a list, it would probably be in the top 20 all-time for me personally. Uh, then then the, the follow-up, I think it's in sequential order, uh, then self-titled Portishead. That as a whole, like cohesive album, is definitely one of my favorites as well. I mean, not quite up to those heights, but it's a really great album. And then after that, I would probably say third, which I re- which I really enjoy on the whole as well. Like I don't think they've really put out a bad record yet, so I'm hoping for more from them. You know, because when they seem to be ready to make an album and ready to put something out, they're perfectionists, so it's probably gonna be strong. Yeah, we uh, we didn't really touch on it, but they've only released two tracks since uh, third came out. One track the following year called "Chasing" uh, or "Chase the Terror," which was a benefit single for Amnesty International. And then um, I think it was 2014, 2015, they did a cover of ABBA's "SOS" for the film High Rise. Uh, both are pretty good. Hopefully, we'll get some new music uh, soon. But uh, I think they're the type of band that all of a sudden. We'll just get a single out of nowhere if they do put out one. They they all, all members have done other works. Uh, Gibbons has done some solo work. She just did a uh, an actual album last year of uh, Christoph uh, Kiwalaski. No, that's not the right name. Um, I I have it pulled up. It's very Polish, um, and as someone who's Polish, it's so uh, so yeah. Sorry. Uh, Christoph uh, Penderecki. Uh, she mm. did a cover of his works with the live orchestra uh, last year. Jeff Barrow has a band called Beak that uh, he does some regular work on. He's also moved on to film soundtracks he did for Alex Garland's Annihilation. So the band members are very active still, just not together. Um, special shout out I want to throw to Small from 3rd. Uh, that was one that made the second cut, but not the third. And I really enjoyed the uh, sort sort of kraut rock element of that. Yeah, definitely another uh, di- like way that they were differing from their previous uh, records, adding some kraut rock sound onto it. 
Uh, yeah. So I think that completes our Porter's Head conversation. You know, yeah. The, love, love the band, love the albums, and I think uh, it was very fruitful. We had our first overlaps, you know, going on. Uh, definitely a quite the journey. Yeah. All right. Now it's time for the wheels. <laughs> uh, so uh, as as we mentioned the start of podcast, uh, we're recording this before we even finished editing and publishing the Weezer podcast. So no no feedback for this time, uh, at least in terms of. Uh, listener picks to go on the outer wheel, but uh, I'll, I'll, you know we'll, we'll do our mine and yours uh, like tradition so far. Uh, I just want to mention that I thought of a little fun game where uh, every time we rack up five total acts that didn't get picked in this portion of the segment, uh, we'll, we'll do a little uh, bonus game for the next episode. Uh, I'll, I'll let it be a surprise until one of us hits it, but right now we're one and one. Okay. Yeah. All right, go with that. All right, uh, my first, my pick for the outer wheel to make it to the sub wheel is going to be Electric Wizard. Oh, Electric Wizard. Okay, that's your that's your pick for like the to to make it into the wheel. Okay, into the sub wheel. Yeah, into the sub wheel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, my pick. I can't remind me if they're on the, any of the wheels yet or not. I'm gonna go My Bloody Valentine. Okay, yeah, we can do that. All right. All right, so it is going to be a 50-50 uh, spin between Electric Wizard and My Bloody Valentine. Let's let's see who comes out on top. Round and round the wheel goes. Where it stops, no one knows except me, because now the winner has become Electric Wizard. Uh, okay, that's cool. I mean, sorry Kevin Shields and Belinda Butcher, but yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They'll get other chances. Yeah. <laughs> All right. uh, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, happy for Electric Wizard to get on because it's a little more genre diversity in that aspect. How do I, what's what's Electric Wizard? I don't think I've listened to Electric oh. Wizard. Well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it in your hands whether you want to just keep it a total surprise or just – do you want to just know or do you want to keep it a surprise? I'll keep it a surprise. Uh, I, well, I Googled them, so now I, I have like oh, an, an idea. Yeah. I have an idea. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't, you know, I based on what you have liked from the metal genre, I don't think you'll hate them. Oh no, I mean, I'm fine with you know, I'm fine with whoever is on the list. You know, I, I, you know, I'm cool. I'm cool. With, I, I like, I, I don't dis, I don't have a disdain for metal. I'm fine with metal. This is, it's, okay. it's a great genre of music. You know, it's a, it's a, it's popular for a reason. All right. Uh, so we're uh, Electric Wizard is going to be replacing one of the twenty bands on the. Uh, sub wheel which will then pick for the main wheel which will be the subject for next week's podcast or next episode's podcast but now that we know electric wizard is going to be the replacement for the sub wheel let's find out who from the sub wheel is graduating to the main class last week uh, mia was added and the week before that fiona apple was added so let's see who is being picked today the winner oh oh wow so just after being added last week mia is already graduating to the main wheel right after her anti-vaxxer takes have gone public (laughs) (laughs) yes uh 
maybe unfortunate timing, but uh, you know, it's happening. Yeah, uh, it's, it's happening. There's nothing we can do to stop it. Right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Electric Wizard is replacing MIA, uh, and MIA is going to the main wheel. First time a new addition to any of the wheels is moving on up. So let's see who MIA's spot is, uh, who spot MIA is taking on the main wheel, and who is going to be the subject of our next podcast. For an audio reminder, if you're not following along with any of the visuals, uh, we've got the uh, links at our Twitter, which is I was I was throwing it to you, Lawrence. Wait, wait, say, wait, say what? Where, what's going on? <laughs> I blinked out for a sec there. So he said, given uh, given a reminder to the listeners of uh, where they can follow along with the wheels for the episode. From oh the yeah, yeah, camp. okay, yeah. So go to our Twitter at uh, Sound Takes Pod and yeah, we'll we'll keep you up to date with what's going on with the wheels. Yeah, and if you can't do that, just an audio uh, reminder. So the top. The 10 choices for the main wheel uh, as potential subjects for the next podcast are Sonic Youth, Nickelback, Arcade Fire, Kanye West, Jay-Z, BTS, TV theme songs, Stevie Wonder, Metallica, and Sex Pistols. And with that, let's find out who it's going to be. And the... Ooh. Oh, that was close. Okay. So the the two Canadian acts are next to each other on the wheel, and it looks like no matter what, it was going to be one Canadian act between Nickelback and Arcade Fire. Lawrence, who do you think the winner was? Uh, judging by you saying that was close, I'm going to say it's Arcade Fire. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was probably a good getaway. Uh, yes. <laughs> the subject for next episode will be Arcade Fire. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. I really familiar with their first album and their third album, not as much their second or their fourth, uh, or their fifth. Actually, I don't even think I've listened to the fifth album. Is that everything now? Or yeah. Whatever? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty much familiar front to back. I mean, I like some records more than others. Uh, uh, you know some their their latest work it may not may might may not be my fave but you know some some of their previous albums are among some all time favorites of mine so I'm I'm pretty satisfied with that selection. All right, well uh, let's do our music recs for um, what we're feeling right now, Lawrence. What are you what are you listening to? Yeah, so I got two here. Uh, they're both albums that just came out, actually. Uh, my first one is going to be Dua Lipa. Her new album that just came out. Uh, what's the name of that album again? Uh, it's like Modern Future. Modern. I got it right here. No. I'm going to edit this part. Well, no, I, hold on. It's called... Uh, future Nostalgia. Yeah, Future Nostalgia. Future Nostalgia. Okay, it's called Future Nostalgia. Uh, yeah, you know, so I, I really like the, you know, as it, it pretty much describes the album as Future Nostalgia. Uh, I've The the best I've heard described is like, it's like three Madonna eras happening at once. Uh, a lot going on in the record. A lot of songs on it. And uh, yeah, I think it's strong throughout. 
if you if you're just looking for some well done pop music i'd go for that and then for a more indie pick i would say uh the new waxahachie album is really strong um uh for that one you know i've i've been a big fan of waxahachie for the uh, past like you know i guess like eight or so years seen her live a couple of times uh cerulean salt which is uh, her second album is one of my favorite albums i constantly revisit uh yeah and this album is called saint cloud uh some of the singles that have been released off it that i really like include fire and uh lilacs uh so yeah check that one out yeah i i, I sampled both of those today yeah whether yeah. uh what do you think uh do you have any picks or their uh well, yeah uh so in terms of a canceled concerts report uh yesterday night i was supposed to be see caribou um hmm. and i was really looking forward to that hopefully he does uh reschedule the tour for later but uh yeah he had a new album out last month called suddenly so go ahead and check that out nice all right yeah so so uh we got the picks out there caribou suddenly as I said, Wax Hatchy, St. Cloud, Dua Lipa, uh, Future Nostalgia. Uh, yeah, so just to briefly recap our picks before we close the episode. Uh, you want to say your top five and I'll say what my top five were? Yeah, my number five was Strangers. Number four was Glory Box. Number three was Sour Times Live, the Roseland uh, New York City version. Number two was Scorn. And number one was Only You. Yeah, my five were uh, The Rip at number five. Number four was It's a Fire. Number three, Glory Box. Number two, Sour Times. And number one, Roads. And yeah, so that's going to conclude our podcast for today. Uh, it's been another amazing episode of Sound Takes. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. All right. Have a good one, everybody. All right. Stay safe. <laughs>